When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. What is up, punters and dribblers? This episode of All Talk is brought to you by Dr. V, Australia's first and best all-natural energy drink. That's right, Tom. If you want to detox and supercharge your physical and mental health, we'll do it with Dr. V, and they're 100% natural energy drinks. It's the way to go. We are joined this week by an elite athlete of Australian and international sport. This man was a rugby league player for the Tigers, for the Broncos, for the Bunnies, winning a competition in 2014, the famous grand final. He also then went over to chase the dream of rugby union in England, representing the English, funnily enough. Funnily enough, Tom, he also happens to be a f- bit of a charismatic cat. Yeah. He's got a way with words. He's got an ability to make stories pretty f- funny. He is an engaging gentleman, a physical specimen. Oh, he's a physical specimen. He's also a budding rugby league coach. He coaches the Dolphins Q Cup side. He's also an assistant to the big dog, Wainos. He's also a great bloke. And a great bloke. Flew down here on his own dime. Didn't need to. We could have Zoomed it, but he flew down here just to do the podcast, which was a huge lift from this man. And that man is Ben Teo. Do you enjoy it, though? It's good. I actually really like the the show. Yeah, I I love it. I I didn't want to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm coaching at the moment, so that's my passion. Yeah. And then Gerd sort of hit me up about doing it. He said, oh, that's not re- really for me, to be honest. And he said, oh, no, I think you've got a good opinion. And we work well together, so let's give it a crack. So mm. started doing it. And then for some reason, you just get interested in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, probably try and give people a different perspective. I find it to be, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke, but like I find it to be like you and him, specifically you though as well on the, even on the Triple M show, to be like, Calm rugby league opinion. Like yeah, rugby yeah. league opinion is so like, what the f- going on here? Or like this person's doing this. Or like it's all very like up here. Mm. And I feel like you bring a real like nice, calm, measured, thoughtful, considered like perspective to shit. Like even that with the Bulldogs one the other day. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Gerds is pretty measured, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Gerds is measured, calm and measured. And then um, I think if you're if you're not chasing headlines then you can give a, a better answer sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think people forget that some of the guys on those shows, straight away they find out, okay, how did that go? How many hits do you get? How many views? What's yeah. the reach? So people who are people who are off contract, you can sometimes tell because they're going <laughs> balls out. They're throwing anyone under the bus because they just want to. <laughs> I, I need to make this statement big and this needs to go viral yep. um, so I can get a new contract and mm. – I couldn't live like that, so... Mm, it's tough. Yeah. We we like to believe 
that that's what Gerds was doing when he uh, said that Manly were flat track. Players. Oh my god, we're mm. huge Seagulls fans here, and we've yeah. never forgiven him. We've we never ran him well, out of town. <laughs> yeah, we haven't got <laughs> over it. To be honest, <laughs> we haven't got over it. We made him leave. We turned the beaches against him, and then yeah, yeah but he deserved it. it. No, he did. In all due respect to Gerds, yeah. it was it was a low blow at a <laughs> at a high time for the club. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty brave uh, to come out with that statement, being that he lived in the area <laughs> no, and he had multiple businesses <laughs> yeah. in the area. All his cafes were in the area. <laughs> yeah, all his cafes. <laughs> Yeah. You know, could have been smashed and Fire burned bomb. down. Yeah, and um, but in the end, was he right? No, he kind of was. Yeah, That's the worst right. part. Yeah. Yeah, the worst <laughs> watching South Sydney, I was at that game watching South Sydney, um, like dismantle them. It was a bloodbath. It was. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was yeah. tough. Yeah. It was tough. We were. We was like. We were on that sort of sugar high of Tommy Turbo just. Up and it was like when things got tough. That's what it was. It was a yeah. two litre bottle of Coke and we we're having a great time and sugar overload. Yeah, but it was a serious hot. crash. <laughs> and to be honest, we haven't quite recovered. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Similar to so, did you want to get into the media though? Like uh, podcasting, same sort of shit, sort of. Like what, what was the, how did you see it differently to doing Triple M, say, to doing the medicine? Mm. Yeah, I think the, I was doing the medicine before I was doing the uh, Triple M show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was doing I was doing the commentary. So that's what I enjoy. I enjoy giving, doing the commentary and trying to paint the picture for you know the truck drivers out there or the people leaving work who can't get to the game so they can get an idea of what's happening. Yeah. Um. So I give my opinion on that, and then that sort of led on to doing the shows and yeah, doing some podcasting and uh, I, yeah, I just think I've been around so many places. I think it's probably a good thing to just share my experiences and, mm. and how I see the game. Mm. Yeah, You are listening to Tom and Eddie from the Hello Sport podcast. This is All Talk and we are coming to you on the SCN Airwaves. Speaking to Rugby League Premiership winner and Rugby Union International, Ben Teo. Now, Ben, there was a moment a couple of weeks ago when you went at, and I think Gerds as well, but you went at Riccio all around the players, the, mm. the player bargaining and all that sort of shit. And yeah. you sort of like, you went back at him because there was seemingly like this real collection of journos who were just like, yeah. f***y player, like don't f*** yeah. out of line here. And you brought up how seemingly unfair it was the way they were going at Clint Newton. Yeah. But you just sort of went back at him. Or you went back at him specifically on the show. I don't think he... And there's no diss on him, but in that moment, I don't think he really answered any of the questions like that you were sort of putting to him. But did you do you feel uncomfortable having a like? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that combative sort of thing where you're on air and you're like, F "I'm going to go at him," or are you just like, "Well, it, it is very awkward because obviously we're on air and we can, and it just goes, and then and it pops off, and then they go to an ad break or they go to a song, <laughs> and we're we're just there, you know, and it's silent. It's like uh, you know, the producer might say something like. Um, uh, we all good boys, <laughs> yeah, and we say, yeah, we're all good, we're all yeah, good, and, and then we move on. But you know, in that in that space, I felt because the players weren't talking. You know, that that that's something that they had decided not to do, and I think the players and the RLPA were very smart into make a stand without hurting the fans. Mm -hmm. So the games were still fantastic. We, mm -hmm. we just couldn't hear from them. Um, the product was good. There was no one there to sort of back up Clint, and I felt like the media. It, it, when you're inside the environment, you understand how it works, mm. right? And I reckon there was a directive from some people in the NRL to these people in the media: go and smash these guys, mm. put the pressure on him, hammer him until they break, 
and, and we can get our way. And I think he was sort of standing there alone, you know, hands mm. up. He was yeah. doing his best and he was fighting. But because the players couldn't talk, no mm. one could come out and support him. Mm. And I looked around in the media space and everyone was sort of just, you know, a step back. And I thought it had got to the point where they, they had overstepped the mark, especially mm. some of the stuff I saw on 360. Just looked to me like uh, it was a bit of schoolyard bullying mm. and attacking um, the man, attacking the, the man, yeah. And I and I thought, well, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to I'm going to back him. And I hadn't even spoke to Clint then, um, but he did write me a message after it was all over, um, sort of thanking me for the support because, yeah, we, I just thought he he was there. He needed someone to sort of stand with him, and I thought Gerds did a good um, job too because yeah. he, he can support a lot of those. Um, facts from a business point of view. That's yep. that's yes. what he's into. So, yep. oh look, it was a, a crazy time, and now it's over, right? And now we're all friends again. <laughs> yeah, we're all friends. But <laughs> oh, at the time, yeah. I mean, man, he was under a lot of pressure, um, just purely from some people in the media. Did you th- was did that surprise you that not an, as many ex players that are in the media now spoke out, or are they just like? Is there such a strong directive inside these media oh, companies to be like, you yeah. don't say a you, word? You, I could say. I could say there is, and they'll say, no, there's not on my own man. I'll do what I want, yep. but that's not true, I don't think. And I, I think there's a lot of ex-players that um, are employed by these companies that everyone was on board. This is our, um, this is the way we're going to look at it, and this is the way we're going to attack it. And they sort of step back and, look, sometimes you can't blame them, mate. Like, that's, that's their job. Everyone's yes. got their Everyone's thing. got their everyone's job, and they've got their things. They've got to toe the line sometimes, yeah. and... I think guys, well, I know this for a fact, there was guys that were on the media who were just um, ex-players who were quiet, mm. but behind the scenes, they were supporting Clint. Right. You know, go, you're going well, man, stand your ground, we mm. got your back and all this. <laughs> I got your back, just not I publicly. Sort of yeah. Like, yeah. I've sort of like, I don't know, I like, like if, go if well. Asked, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If ask me publicly, I mean, I'm yeah. say something different, um, so no, I'm lying. But yeah, and that's the one thing I would say about Triple M was outstanding is, is there was never any type of, oh, guys, this is the way we want to go at this. It was just up to us, and that's what I thought, so I went with it. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. It was good. You're in the coaching game now. Yeah. 36, 36 years old? Yeah, 36, yeah. Looking good. Looking better than <laughs> looking, us. Looking, looking well. Than us. Not that that's a fucking... <laughs> It's we're not setting a high bar, Tom, and I don't think that it's not about us. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but so, like, where, how long have you been? So you're at the Dolphins. How long yeah. have you been doing that for? How did that come about? Post career was that always something you wanted to do? Yeah. Oh uh, no, no, it wasn't. I, I never, ever, ever wanted to be a coach. Um, I thought they were all strange cats. <laughs> uh, I thought they were all ex-teachers, weirdos, <laughs> all those things. And um, but I think when I travelled and played rugby. I sort of sat back and realised that I'd been under some of the best coaches um, in both codes, from from Tim Sheens, you know, your Mal Meningas, Michael Maguire's, and then Warren Gatlin and Eddie Jones in Rugby Union. And I sort of come back, and then I was at the Broncos during those tough times, and I ended up retiring, and I wanted to stay around and do a little bit of work. And I would started to do some with some of the young kids, mm. Um, oh, some of the young players that are coming through now, yeah, yeah Xavier Willisons and Brendan Pierre-Couras and Jordan Ricky, but there was no spot there for me, and I ended up getting in touch um, through a few people with Wayne Bennett, and uh, he, he invited me to his, he was staying on the Gold Coast, he was in this apartment, so I drove down the Gold Coast to meet him, 
And What's that like getting a call from Wayne? Just being like, is that just sort of out of the blue? He's like, hey mate, what do you? Yeah, doing? he said, oh, if you want to talk to me, you know, you got to come down and see me. So I, you know, hopped in the car, went down and sort of waiting outside his apartment. He rocks up with a bunch of shopping, and he's like, <laughs> oh, I've just been to the grocery shop, so just come upstairs. So <laughs> we we go in, and um, yeah, he opens up the door, and um. That's funny, actually. Open up the door and NRL 360's on the TV. He's like, oh, what's this, this oh, shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shit. <laughs> he turns it off and uh, he's unpacking his groceries and he's, um, you know, he, he's uh, it's funny, he just sort of said to me, you know, you, you want to coach? He sort of said, yeah, why do you want to coach? And I said, oh, you know, I just think I've got something to offer. I think I've seen a lot. I think I can do things uh, a good way and help young young players reach their potential. And then, um, yeah, we just sat there and he talked me through it, what, what, he, what he reckons I learned overseas and what I can do better. And he said, okay, if, if you want to coach, um, I'll give you a team. You've got to coach your own team. He said, that's the only way you'll know whether you want to coach. Mm -hmm. So he gave me a under-21 side, yep. which I coached last year. Mm. Hectic. And you've got to coach this team, you know, from November – December, January, Feb, like pre-season, four days a week, you know, nights. So I'm, I'm working during the day. I'm coaching at night. You're driving home at like 8.30 at night. So you'll know whether you love it or not yeah. when you do that. And that's what he wanted to see. So he said, coach this under 21 side and come see me in a year and tell me if you still love it. Yeah. And then he would check up on me like uh, every now and again. Um, we'd be doing training sessions and he'd just turn up. Like really? Just turn up. Yeah, so I've got an under-21 side and they're like looking and like Wayne Bennett's rocked up to training. Heck yeah. And you wouldn't believe the amount of drop ball that starts happening, <laughs> man. Like they just, the kids just get so nervous. Um, and Wayne hates spiral passes, but I used to teach my team spiral passes. So he hates spiral passes? He hates passes. it. He That's goes, oh, I hate shit. that flickety-flick stuff. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, I don't know, but we used to do these spiral drills. But if I looked and I saw him coming, I'd be like, boy, six o'clock passing, six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no spirals. <laughs> no spirals for the rest of the session. Um, and, yeah, he'd, he'd come down, watch me, and he just saw me progressing. And then this year he gave me an opportunity to do the Queensland Cup. Mm. So I'm doing men – now, um, and any guys that miss out on his side, I coach. Um, but it is hard because like, I'm 36 and then a couple of my players are 33 that I played with. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Dinamis Louie, I played with him at the Broncos. So yeah. How do you navigate that dynamic? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's just starting. I think over time that, that'll phase out, yeah. but having to deal with that. Yeah, but, of course. You know, I can't be like um, – Oh, boys, don't get on the piss and all that. Yeah, when he's yeah, like, yeah. man, I, I knew you. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm also 33. I'm like, I'm a grown man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Today we are talking to rugby league and rugby union sensation Ben Teo. Now, Ben. Oh, I remember, I think I recall, it might have even been you on radio, but oh, someone's speaking of Wayne and his approach to coaching. Uh, and he was speaking about how important he thinks it is to do what you're doing, go back have your own team, Passive. work through adversity, understand what you do in certain situations, how do you win, how do you arrest momentum if you're on a slide, like all those sort yeah. of things that he that in his opinion he doesn't think that a lot of these new coaches are getting. They're just assistant coaches sitting under someone else and they don't know how to do it themselves. Is yeah. that sort of the information? Oh, that, was that his approach to you? Absolutely. Really? The first thing, he's he's like, you got to figure out if you love it or not. Because mm. he said when, when he finished – 
uh, playing and he was in the police academy. He, he was coaching, I think he was coaching three teams at once. Jesus. Yeah, and so he, he just loved it. <laughs> That's like, ridiculous. And he wasn't yeah. getting paid, he just loved it. So he's saying if there's no love, you can't. You can't go far. Yeah. So first things you got to love it, and then second thing, yeah, you got to learn how to run your own environment, mm. and that that is the issue that all these coaches are having because when you transition out of footy, you go, you stay in the NRL system, mm-hmm. you know, and you help out. You might do the back three, or you might do ruck defence, and then you just work your way through, never having to drop players, never having to deal with players' personal stuff that's going off the field. Mm. Never having to give the halftime speech when you're down 36-6. Mm. You know, never having to um, – all, all these types of things that you just don't get. Mm. And then if you're in that system and you do your time and then you get into the NRL, well, when you're making mistakes, you're making them on a big stage and there's a lot of pressure. And so he's saying you've got to learn that first before you get into the NRL system. Yeah. So most players that come to Wayne – um, and talk about coaching, the first thing he says is go get your own team. Mm. Do you find yourself – how often do you call him for advice and how often does he go, you got to figure it out yourself? Is there a sort of like – Yeah, it's probably – he's always there. So yeah. um, he used to just check the scores like online and then um, if, if I had a win, he wouldn't really bother me. And, and then if I had a loss, he'd ring in and say – Oh, what happened? You know? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but never forget this year I had a really bad loss, my first big loss. Um, it was like 60 to 4. It was Oof. something ridiculous. It was one of those days where just everything goes wrong. Mm. And I didn't want to ring him and he didn't want to – I don't think he wanted to ring me. He wanted to see me in person. And I saw him in the gym and um, he sort of waited till a few people had left the gym and he come up to me and he said, well – before you look and blame anyone else, have a look at yourself first. And Shit. And I was like, oh. I was, <laughs> was oh. that worse than you could have expected? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, and then he was like, uh, <laughs> you know, what, 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 what could you have done better? You know, selections, you know, how you prep them this week. You know, before you start pointing the finger, um, have, have a look at what you could have done and, and then work from there. Because in coaching, you can you become nasty sometimes, you know, when mm. – players aren't playing well and they're not getting you the result if you start thinking like that mm. you can start acting quite strange and that's mm. where the pressure builds so i think putting it back on me it was a good reflection Sheesh. yeah so it's a like good lessons you know like yeah, stuff sure. like that he, he ring me and say oh what, what did you think about this and um what's your plan going forward and yeah all these type of things i, I think Brilliant for a young coach. Is it? If you find that addictive, like the more you Absolutely know, the more addictive. you know you don't know, but then you're like so yeah. obsessing over it all. Yeah, you become obsessive, yeah. and it. And I think all coaches would agree, whether you're coaching under 14s or up to NRL, um, it's hard to get balance in your mind because mm. you're always thinking about it. Like, how can we train better, or what's this week looking like? Um, selections and I just think you're right it's the unknown you're just chasing it and you become I'm quite addicted to wins and losses Mm. like I I enjoy all of it really yeah I love it I love it so when you you mean even when you lose you're when I lose I'm addicted to like all right how are we gonna do yeah, how, how do we get out, out of here? Yeah. What went wrong there? Yeah. I need to find out what went wrong. Yeah. And when I find out what went wrong, I see if I can fix it. Mm. And then if I fix it, then I get another then, yeah, kick. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. 
It's like a video game. But you can never clock it though. During the world yeah, but you can never clock it. You can it. never clock it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And what about the what about the player development side of thing? Because I imagine that would also be addictive, seeing like players get better and like you yeah. know reach their potential and like you know maybe you're putting a bit of faith in someone to do something or to like yeah. step up and then seeing them do that yeah it's one of those ones though it's never um it just never goes up and up it just goes up and it drops you know and right. you got to p- build them back up and it drops. and it drops and it's just and sometimes it becomes frustrating but what i do know as a player myself is i was that yeah, I, I did those. I went up and I went down and mm. went up. So um, when you're a coach, you just got to have some patience with some guys. Um, but there's a point there where you got to be ruthless too. Mm. And you just got to make a call for the team. In that first year that he gave you, like how long into it did you, like did it take for you to be like, oh, I like this? Or like was there a period there at the start where you're like, oh, f- not, not one period where I thought, nah, I'm the same for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it was like it was like you were saying. It was like once you got in, you just get in deeper and deeper and become pretty obsessive about it. Um, so the first team I took was that Colts side, and I took him and I was running him up hills in the off season, and <laughs> we were wrestling, and it was just full blown. And so, not seeing any results, it's preseason, but I'm just wondering how's this going to translate mm. into the rounds. So. Yeah. Um, but you never know. You never know if you're, if there's more you can do. So sometimes, because you, there's a point where you can't go past. Yes, you can train guys hard, but there's a point there where it gets crazy. Yeah. So you just got to go up and touch it, and then back off. Have you had those experiences as a player where you're like a coach has flogged? Out? Isn't Madge in a tour? Madge, yeah, path? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, he 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 was. There's some. I think there's a park just around the corner here, Sydney Park. Yeah, yeah. So there was a yeah. lot of um, tough days there. That was sort of the first two weeks back from preseason. You'd run, um, I think you'd run like a three point five k time trial, and then you'd have five minute rest and do it again. You got to be joking. Yeah, you do it again, and I'll never forget. Um, Isaac Luke uh, went on a Tri Nations tour one time, and he come back, and that was his first session. And oh I remember doing the three point five k. Loop and not really seeing him. He was at the back somewhere, put on weight and five minute rest and, and doing the second one, running him, just seeing him laying in the garden. <laughs> he, he had fainted in the garden and there was trainers putting uh, uh, water on him. But it was, yeah, I had done pre-seasons at West Tigers. I had done um, four years at the Broncos and I had never seen anything like what we did at Imagine. South Sydney, like the, some of the stuff. And you can ask all the players that were there who have been at other places. It was crazy. And so how, how like, how crazy? Is it, is it too much? Do you think it was too much in terms of well, what you're doing now? Tessie Pop, sorry. <laughs> too uh, much. Yeah, it was probably, uh, I'd had enough. Yep. Two years was enough for me. <laughs> like, and I ran off to rugby <laughs> and Sam ran off too. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it was a bit much. But we got success. So yes. I'll always, always be thankful for him for pushing me to a place I didn't know I could go. Yep. Mm. Yeah, And now when you look back and your career's over and you've got a premiership and I've got friends that don't, mm. um, it was all worth it. At the time, I thought he was crazy. Mm. I yeah. thought he was nuts. I just... You know, the army camps, the the long runs, the wrestling sessions, yeah. you know, three sessions a day, 
getting in there at 7am, leaving at 5.30pm. This is all talk on SEN and we are yarning with the one and only Ben Teo today. Now, Ben, what's the dynamic like with player and coach in a situation like that where you're like, this mother is trying to kill me. Yeah. Like, are you you still friends with him or is it a bit more like authoritarian? No, he was very much authoritarian. He was scary. Um, he was intense yeah. and he could just fly off the handle like at any, <laughs> any time. Yeah. Um, so everyone was shit scared of him, to be honest. Really? Uh, I think the only time I got angry at him in my second, you know, 2014, we went on a, 2013, we went on the most ludicrous army camp I've ever been on in my life. <laughs> it was run by the SAS guys. True. So it was like that show, but yeah, it yeah. was, yeah, full on. And then the second year we went again and it was bad again. And I remember sort of packing up my kit and like fronting him and telling him that I'm leaving. Like I'm, <laughs> I've had enough of this. Like if this is what footy's about, I'm out. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't need it, Baba. And he sort of talked me off the cliff a little bit. But um, that was one time where I got to the point where I said, mate, you've gone bananas. Like no this one, is nuts. Yeah, no wonder Sammy Burgess won the show because he'd done it before. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah. mate, this is yeah, a piece exactly. of piss. Easy compared to the match camp. Except when he was stuck in that tunnel and he was getting, like, I would have been dead. Is that the like, one you had to go underwater? Yeah, he went under, he, he was in the tunnel and he couldn't get out because of his shoulder. He, ended, he was in there for like an hour. Like, I'd be dead <laughs> Bruh, from I'd hate that. being oh, claustrophobic. Yeah, 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 I'd die. I would You'd die. You'd have a heart attack, I'd say. Are you, are all the boys talking like, a, sort of almost bitching in the background, being like, this is fucked? Or is or are you trying to be as professional as you can and just well there's some guys that are trying to like yeah impress the coaches with their leadership skills and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. um I, i'm probably pretty good like if you're going on army camp for three days i'm pretty good for like a, a day and maybe a <laughs> night and then I, I become very negative yeah. you know, especially when um yeah, you're being woken up at like you, you go to bed at one a.m. and you get woken up at three a.m. by oh. screaming soldiers telling you get the f- up, yeah, we're done, right. you know, <laughs> get your kid on. And uh, I never forget this one where, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a hard one to describe to get in people's head. But we we were in this big like factory, maybe where uh, shed like where they have um, planes and stuff. It was huge. And we sat in there and we sat in this room and we weren't, it was dark and we weren't really allowed to talk to anyone. So you had to sit there in silence and we're just sitting there and the guy comes out with two wheelbarrows of rice and he goes, he pours it out one wheelbarrow of white rice and one wheelbarrow of brown rice and he mixes it all up with his foot and he goes, separate it and walks (laughs) off. So you got a whole top thirty squad like down on like on their stomach, and we're just like I'm <laughs> separating like brown rice oh and white rice, and and like yeah for hours, right? And and then oh and then God. and then um and then boom over the loudspeaker comes that song, um, Highway to the Danger Zone. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're working hard here, separating. They give us a bit of music, fair enough. <laughs> so, so start separating. Anyway, the song goes on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, oh. and it just keeps going for like four hours. Oh, my God, dude. So we're separating this rice. Oh Danger Zone's going loud over the speaker. Oh no one's allowed to speak to each other. And I'm just like, what the 
turn on. <laughs> and we're looking around. I'm thinking, when's this going to end? And um, one of the boys was like, we all had gum. So one of the guys is chewing his gum. And anyway, this doors bust open and like four or five of these army guys come running in and grab one of the guys. And he's like looking and he's just grabbing by the scruff and pick him up and take him. <laughs> so like we're all like looking around, you're like not allowed to talk. So we're like, so he goes and he's gone for about 40 minutes. Next minute he comes in like they're dragging him in and he's covered in sweat and he can hardly walk. <laughs> and I'm like looking, so everyone like, Swallows their gum <laughs> all at the same time and look, and then they grab another guy and take him. And they were just taking guys four at a time and bringing them back like the guys could hardly walk and they were just so fatigued. And I'm thinking, what are they doing to them out there? <laughs> Next thing, they, they grab me. So they took me and they throw you in this room and you're in this dark room and there's four doors. What the f? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's four doors. And then you can hear people like smashing on the doors and kicking the doors. So you're just standing in there like waiting for them to come in. And they're just trying to scare you. They're getting you really um, anxious. And then they end up grabbing you and they take you down and, and they got you in a lane. There's all these lanes and they got you in a lane and there's a rowing machine there. And they say, get on the rowing machine. And they just say, row. And you just row and they go harder, faster, harder. Fast and they keep going row 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 then they get you on the chin-ups doing chin-ups push-ups and they just smashing you till like you can hardly like move your arms and then they throw you on the mat and they make you fight a fresh army guy so, so your arms are, arms are gone can't do anything this guy like throws you on the mat and he's like choking you out and like got you in the headlock and you just you got no energy to do anything yeah. and so yeah that was pretty much it i got choked out like three times <laughs> and then i got and then and then i got grabbed and taken back into the the main shed and i come walking in like that drop down and then they take other people and so you go back to separating rice and you go and you lit, you go back to separating, <laughs> separating rice. rice yeah and that was the night that kind of went from like 9 p.m through to maybe 1 a.m something like that and then they took us uh, back to our beds and they let us sleep for about 45 minutes and then kicked open the door and said get up we're walking so oh my god like that, that, that's some of the stuff that's that the gnarliest I've yeah, heard. Like, yeah. And I've, we've heard a couple of those. No, nah, but that stories. was that's that was great. That's yeah. kind of like so. <laughs> but but like, yeah, but uh, I, I never forget the the anger of being like choked out by this <laughs> military guy. <laughs> I'm sure they felt sorry for us too, but you just couldn't do anything. Yeah. You were just so fatigued. You hadn't slept well. You hadn't eaten. And are you rattled after that a little bit? Like when you're back in there separating rides, you're like, <laughs> what the f do I just go through? Well, you're just wondering. I think you're wondering what's next because mm. if we, we're at this point and you just got to imagine that song's still going. So it's loud. Like you can't really yep. think. We're yeah. not allowed to talk to yeah. each other. Um, you're thinking, what are the next few days? Where's Madge all this? What's he doing? He was um, – I actually caught his eye because when I'm <laughs> literally getting choked and I'm getting choked, I kind of looked up and there was almost like a little deck up the like top. Like a viewing deck? And yeah, and he was a viewing deck. <laughs> oh, my God, he, and, <laughs> and he was uh, he was sitting on the viewing deck just watching guys get – Watching and punished. drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's trying to – yeah, he's trying to learn something about you. So, mm, yeah, sure. are, are you gonna are you going to fight? You know, are you going to let this guy just bash you down there? What are you going to do? So – 
Um, Hectic. Are they still? Are they common now? The army camps and footy clubs, or are they sort of? I, I think people were veering away from them. Mm. I think there was a time and a place for them, but I mean, every team's done them, and only one team wins the comp every year. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Usually, the teams that you know have great academy systems, who have the best players, you know, who train well on a weekly basis. I think that's a little bit more important than you know Chuck a three day SAS camp at yeah. the start of the year. So maybe people are starting to realise, oh, yeah, there's good parts about them, but yeah. there's there's some annoying parts. Is there anything like when you think about how extreme Madge is, where a coach like him is only really like going to be able to be successful like people are going to only be able to deal with that mother for like a couple of seasons and it's like come in ruin everyone's lives hopefully win a comp and then yeah well you, you got to be able to go with him right you yeah. got to be able to stay with that intensity and um you know he's he had his success at south obviously didn't work out um at tigers but remember he had a lot of success when he was at melbourne as an assistant mm. He cleaned up over in the Super League with the Wigan Warriors when he was over there. Yeah. Yeah, he did well at South. So it, his theory would be it's a proven formula. Yep. You know, um, yeah, it might wear people out and, yeah, it might give me an expiry day as a coach, but I'd rather that. For sure. And and get something out of it rather than just, like, ticking along, being everyone's friend and never get anywhere. Mm. Um, I'd struggle. I got asked this preseason whether I wanted to take my team on an army game <laughs> and it would be pretty hypocritical of me <laughs> to <laughs> put my team yeah. through those things when I struggled so bad with them myself. So, yeah. so who'd you sign with in England or Europe? Uh, I signed with um, Leinster and I went to Dublin. So that was the first, um, I, I ended up getting in contact with Michael Checker and he was coaching the Waratahs at the time. And I was going to go, um, I talked to him about like, what's the best route for rugby? Where should I go to learn? He said, look, I coach at a club called Leinster in Dublin. He said, they're a top club. They'll be able to teach how to play the game, all this stuff, which I knew how to play the game from a kid, but the ruck had become just crazy, yeah. which it still is. It's like still no one knows what's happening. No one knows what the f- Guys jumping on every on yeah. each other. So he Don't said, bring it up to rugby people. Yeah, yeah. Very offended. <laughs> so he said, go over there. So I, I, I ended up going to Leinster, played uh, two seasons with them, and then I ended up going over to England to a club called Worcester. That's no longer. Do you find it hard to pronounce all these? Like, because I read <laughs> Worcester and I'm like, what? Yeah, what? Leinster, Leinster, Leicester, Leicester. Warriors, which they've recently gone into liquidation. They're not around anymore. But um, yeah, rest in peace. But. Uh, Eddie Jones had made contact and he had the, the gig at, at England. Mm. So it, that was an opportunity to go and play sort of test rugby. Did you have that in your mind the whole time? Nah, nah. Before you went? No. I, I was, I went, when I went over to Leinster, I just wanted to go over and just play rugby. That That's all I want to do and get out of Australia. So one minute I'm playing a grand final, 85,000 at ANZ Stadium, winning the comp have a couple of days on the piss, go over to Dublin. I do like two training sessions of rugby, still don't know what I'm doing. And then I go with the academy side, the Leinster A side, mm. and we fly over to Wales and we play in this place called Carmarthen. Mm. It's just this like um, 
it's like a just a little rural ground and it's got like a cycling track around it and there was like 40 people there to watch us play them and that was it like i'd gone from that to that i was back on my training wheels learning how to play rugby with the boys around you like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) i think that some of them knew some some of them knew that i was coming so throughout the final series they took an interest in south sydney and they watched the finals but yeah once i got there i'm like with these guys that had just come out of school yeah and like as i said i'm playing in this uh pretty average sort of standard what did you feel like in that moment were you like what am i doing or are you kind of yeah absolutely it? i think when i was getting ready and warming up and like the sheds were pretty tiny and stuff i was thinking yeah what have i done like <laughs> yeah. i really asked for this didn't i and then <laughs> you know the, the it's just to top it off like I, i'm i'm loitering around a ruck not really knowing what i'm doing (laughs) yeah absolutely cleaned out like cleaned out on the ground and i'm having a scuffle with this guy and i've got him in a headlock and i'm just thinking yeah this is not yeah this is not for me but i just knew i just had to hang in there and and i had enough athleticism that it would get me through Um, but the skill part and the rules around the ruck Mm. Quite ch- challenging actually to get used to. What was the what was the plan though at that at that point? Was there was there a club you had in mind? Did you want to win like a Heineken Cup or a rugby championship? Like was there a was there a plan really or not? No, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play rugby, and I I wanted to travel too. Yeah. I wanted to go around and see some stuff because yeah, since I'd come over, I'd just been just so um, zeroed in on being an NRL player and then it was about playing Origin then it was about winning a comp and I just wanted to go play rugby and travel um, Did you not like the uh, celebrity aspect of rugby league? Like did you find that was it nice to be away from Yeah from it was that? nice to just go over there and, and go out with the boys and I'm not saying like I get um, you know asked for photos or anything but it was getting to the point with rugby league where you know as a team you'd go and play somewhere and you weren't allowed out of the hotel. No one was allowed in the hotel. And if you did go for drinks, you had to get a roped off area. And they, we, okay, the club right. had to supply security. And it was always like this. But when you go over to Europe and you're playing rugby, you finish the game and the team just walk down and you go in the pub. And there's not as many rules. I don't yeah. think they're so freaked out because they don't have that media pressure. Yeah. Mm. And so that was a good thing to go there. But I didn't have plans to play test rugby. In actual fact, I played my first season – and my coach got sacked. And then I was thinking, all right, I might um, just go home then and get back into rugby league. Like maybe this is the end of the road for rugby yeah, after right. eight months. So <laughs> so what, you were just thinking like, join it, obviously, if you were considering. No, I wasn't joining it, but I was kind of thinking, oh, should I just go back? Like it's kind of what I know. Maybe I, um, maybe I just needed a break and now I've had a break. So I was – the Cowboys rung in 2015 – about going up there to play and I spoke to Greeny and stuff like that. Um, they go on to win the comp anyway. But, yeah, that, that was an option it was to come back. But then I, I sort of thought, no, I've, I've come this far and I'm still learning. I'm just going to hang in there. And then it was that next season was, was my best season. Yeah, and right. that's sort of what got the attention of England mm. and they knew that I had the passport, my mum being British. So that's how all that Sort of had started. you had contact with Eddie before then, or was it after nah. that season? Eddie's like, let's have a fun. yeah. After that season, it was kind of like, let's have a chat because I was playing in um, like the Heineken Cup yeah. and playing against top teams and guys who are internationals, and obviously I was playing quite well. Yeah. So mm. there was no doubt physically I could 
Do it. Do it. So it was more about, okay, do you want to come over? If you want to play for England, then you have to sign with an English club. Mm. So that's why I signed with Worcester and went over there. Yeah. Was there any interest from the Wallabies or not? Yeah, there was. There was, yeah. I, I went and met Checker in – when was the World Cup? 2015. Yeah. They were getting ready for the final versus the All Blacks yes. at Twickenham. I went and met him in London at the hotel. We sat down and had a chat. Um, and he sort of talked to me about what the options could be. Most likely I'd have to come back, play for the Waratahs. Um, but he was very interested. Um, but, yeah, for me it was just like I'd kind of already made the decision that I was going to go to England mm. and I was going to have a crack that way. And I just thought it would be quite cool too, my mum being English, that you know to go and play for them. Yeah. And did she look, like that? Yeah, she loved it. Yeah, it was, it was good because I, I, I went on tour. Like, I didn't even know the national anthem and all that. So the boys taught me that just before <laughs> one of the games. <laughs> <laughs> it was God Save the Queen back then. Now it's God Save the King. But, yeah, just sort of being able to represent where she's from. Sure. Um, it was important to me. And she came over to Twickenham a couple of times to watch me play. So, yeah. That's mad. Yeah, real good That's opportunity. Cool. This is all talk with Hello Sports. Today we are talking with Rugby League Premiership winner and Rugby Union International player, the one, the only Ben Teo. Now, Ben, did you win anything with England? Would you like a, like a Six Nations six or something? Six Nations, yeah. Yep. One, a, one a Six Nations. That's Yeah, that's pretty much it. No yeah. World Cups, though, were they? Nah, no, no World Cups, no. Nah. Eleven ones since 2003, mate. Well, I don't mean, yeah. I just mean you played in one <laughs> yeah. while you were over there. Yeah. You didn't play in 2019? No, I didn't play in 2019. No, no, no. I got um, released from the squad prior oh. to World Cup. So, What's Eddie Jones like? He, he's um, he's intense. Yeah. <laughs> he is intense. I went from one intense guy to the so, other. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the, the difference with Eddie was like, when, when you play rugby um, – union and you're going on these tours and these these things go for like eight weeks nine weeks you know and you're just living with people mm -hmm. and so some of the guys i play with in england i'm so close with some of them because like we literally live together mm -hmm. like in a room together and so it's being with eddie for three years was just full-on like <laughs> it was intense and i just man, oh i watched him just destroy people Really? It, I watched him absolutely destroy, like, players, staff. Like, it was like this. This is the level. You get to this level or you get out. Like, mm. that that was him. There was no, like, in between. I've just seen him um, put the pressure on a lot of people. With the knowledge you have of him then and the way you're describing him there, you can only imagine what he would be saying to some of the guys in the Wallabies camp, right? Or do you think that he knows, like, that you can't always just be – like, if he, if he doesn't have a team that's – good enough necessarily yeah. that he can't actually just oh yeah he's smart them. yeah he's smart enough to know what he's got at the time and he's got some young guys so he'd be building them up but he'd also be on their ass like he's on them mm. it, it's it's a regime yeah he's like um he's kim jong-un and they're living in north korea <laughs> you know like he is the law so look and, and i think right now I reckon he'd be a pretty good coach to come through underneath. If you were a young player, some of those young Wallabies he's taken over, I think they're going to have pretty good careers because he, he'll push them hard. Mm. Yeah. Do you um do you smile when you see him telling journos to give themselves uppercuts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just absolutely, love that shit. I crack up, yeah. Because <laughs> I just sort of – I've seen it. Like, you know, I've seen it once he's you know left those press conferences and, and he walks back into a room – 
um, you know, for like team dinner or something, and it's like nothing happened. If for him, it's all if for him, it's all theatre. Yeah, it's all part of the game, right. and sometimes you understand if you're in the meetings. So say say you're in a meeting and you're playing the All Blacks at Twickenham, and you're preparing for the game. He'll start building the mentality about, you know, they don't, they don't think we can do anything. Oh, they're un, un, unbeatable, are they? Well, what about this and what about that? So he's finding cracks in their game that we can exploit. Mm-hmm. And then you watch him go to the press conference and you listen to what he says. It's not far off what he's just told us. Yeah. So he's painting the picture for the media too. Okay. And he also understands that, Whatever he just goes and says in the press conferences, we're going to watch on our phones in about 40 minutes. Yep. So he's talking to us too. Mm-hmm. So that's all part of his, his psyche. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? He, you, you know what he's doing. Sometimes I can read a bit of it. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks, it's been bro. fun. Oh, right. really Cheers, guys. Nice nice to got some comfy chairs here. Yeah, yeah no, they're very nice. talk all day here. Yeah, yeah you could. I know you yeah. can. I loved it. Thanks, brother. Nah, awesome. Cheers. Thanks, guys.